Happy Palm Sunday. It's nice to come out. You're like, well, how do I respond to that? You don't have to. <laughs> We're just happy that you're here. Glad to have you join us this morning. Uh, we are continuing our sermon series um, on Church 101, but we're moving into Palm Sunday because a lot of people don't know what Palm Sunday means. I've had a lot of conversations in the past little few weeks, and uh, people have been asking about what Palm Sunday means. And so uh, this is uh, one of my favorite times because as we move into the Holy Week, starting well today, but Monday, we start to move towards Good Friday and Easter, which is one of the most important things that we have to look at. Um, so I want to look at Luke chapter 19, uh, verses 28 to 44. I'm going to read them for you and we'll get into this. So verse 28 of chapter 19, after Jesus said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and put Jesus on it. And he went along. People spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, a whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in the loud voices of all the miracles they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave you alone, uh, one stone or um, on another because you did not recognize the, recognize the time God's coming to you. Now, Palm Sunday is misunderstood in biblical times and can be misunderstood today. And rather than seeing Jesus' triumphal entry for what it was, uh, which was a fulfillment of prophecy, we'll get to that in a minute, many, including the religious leaders at that time, were so concerned about keeping their own power and keeping their own authority. They were more concerned about self than anything else, and they missed the Messiah that scriptures had talked about for so long. And Jesus, when he came along, he redefined Israel's expectations of what the Messiah would be uh, and what the Messiah would look like. Rather than being a military hero, and you've heard this before, he died on a cross. And so we as Christians need to think about patterning our lives after the life of Jesus. And we're called to be humble. We're called to be obedient, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of struggles, even when things are not going our way. Today, I'm going to ask you to throw away some religious 
systems that have been put in your life that maybe are not biblical. I'm not going to name them, but I want you to figure out what that is. I want you to get rid of the religiosity. Now, there's important things to be said about religious structure, and that's okay. And there are things that we keep and traditions we keep, and that's important. And we've talked about that in the past few Sundays, and traditions are important to remember. And this, right now, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, Lent, and the Holy Week is an important time in the Christian walk. So we value these types of things. So this is one I'm going to ask you not to throw away, but recognize what you do in your own life. So I'm going to ask you to do that. Today, uh, so we can become um, so close to religion, so close to religion, and, and, and what I mean by that is that we love the idea of religion. We love the idea of structure. We love the idea of check boxes that if I do this and if I do that and I do a few things over here, God will be pleased and won't smite me where I stand. So that's kind of what, you know, as growing up as a Christian in the church, you had to appease God. Um, and he's already taken care of it for us. He's already taken care of the punishment. We don't have to appease him. We have to have a relationship with him. And that's different. That's different. But we like the idea of checkboxes. We like the idea if I do X, Y, and Z, I gain eternal life. I, things will go great in my whole entire Christian walk and my life, and no one will ever suffer. I will never suffer. I will become rich and prosperous. That's what we like to think. That's not how it works. And we've said this before, if your Christian faith doesn't work in the poorest towns of Africa, in the poorest villages of Africa, and if it doesn't work for a single mom going, you know, 10 miles a day back and forth to get water, if that theology doesn't work for her, then guess what? It's not a good theology. It's not a good theology. And so we get caught up into the check boxes, the checklists of if I do these things, I will gain God's favor. In other words, we worship the process, not the person. I'm always about a process. I enjoy a process. I compare it to when I go on vacation. I like to start the process of vacation the second I wake up knowing that I'm going to the airport, knowing that I'm ready to go on my trip. Because I used to get all uptight and stressed out and tense, and, and I couldn't relax. I'd get, on, I'd get to my destination, and then for three to four days, I'd still be uptight and stressed and just pressure. And then I only have a few more days left, and then it's over. And I'm back at it again. But the process is good. It's not bad. But we don't worship the process. We think about the destination, but enjoying the process as we go through. So I don't want you to throw away everything. Process is good. Process is important. So when I go on vacation, I wake up, that's the start. Get a coffee, like to go to the airport extra early, you're welcome. And so I don't miss my plane. I don't want to miss my plane because then vacation's over, people. So I want to enjoy it. So I get there nice and early to make sure that, and if the plane's delayed, that's part of the journey. That's okay. It can be. I I know that when I was in Haida Gwaii a few months ago, and and, uh, they have a very relaxed feel there and we were out on this in this beach area looking at stuff and I'm like my plane's leaving 
really soon. They're like, oh, it'll be fine. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I think it's going to, we probably should get back. And they're like, no, no, it'll be fine. Well, they were right. It was fine. I should have enjoyed the process more, but I was so stressed out I was going to miss my plane. Got to the airport in Masset, and guess what? Plane wasn't there. And I was late in my mind. It wasn't there. So we want to enjoy the process. We want to enjoy those things that are important, but we don't want to worship that process. We, we want to worship Jesus, not the process on how we got there, even though some of those are important. So as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, he was literally, literally fulfilling prophecy. And if you look at Zechariah 9.9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous, he is victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey, the foal. Of, or sorry, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, think about this for a minute. If you don't know this, Zechariah is in the Old Testament, just to give you a quick little rough thing. And as this is being written, as this is going on, Zechariah's lifespan in, in, was around 520 before Christ. 520 B.C. So when we fast forward to Jesus' time and we look back at this, this is a prophecy. This is something that Scripture has talked about, hasn't happened, and then Jesus fulfills it. So quite a long time before Jesus' time, this prophecy was said that he would come on a donkey. So Zechariah 9, 9, so around 520 B.C. Well, that's huge. That's huge. That's, that's a very specific type of prophecy, I would say. And so Jesus is literally filling this. Now know that the religious leaders around would see this. They would know this. Any Jewish person who's, who follows Jehovah would understand what that was. And we've mentioned before that palm leaves and a donkey and laying your coats down and singing Hosanna and rejoicing is part of a kingly process. When a king would come in from a battle and, a, and won... He would come in riding a donkey, riding, and they'd be waving palms, meaning royalty. So you can see why this would be confusing to some people who didn't understand it, mostly the Roman empires. But the religious people understood this. And that's why they said, as we move back to our Luke thing, they said, Jesus, fix your disciples. They're saying things they shouldn't be saying because they knew. And that is amazing. That is amazing. Yet right after he reaches the city, after he goes through this process, he weeps. Why? Why does he weep? He weeps because they missed it. They missed it. They missed the meaning of what was actually happening. They missed who he actually was. For Jesus' faithful followers, they participated in a very special moment in time. But... Even they didn't really realize what was happening. Jesus had been explaining about what was about to happen to, to his followers. But with all the excitement, with all the distractions that had been going on all around them, they too didn't catch the importance of all of this. And so we have to look at it and say, well, we're no better. 
And if we keep our eyes on God's work, we can literally be a part of his fulfillment of something amazing. I don't know if you've ever been to the optometrist office. Now, I've been, and I was getting my eyes checked, and as I get older, I'm struggling to read things, and so I got these new things, these contacts with, with readers in them. And so I, it was a big blow to my ego to have to have readers in my contacts, and, and uh, they still don't work. But anyways, the point is, I have them. <laughs> But when I put my glasses on for the first time, when I put my contacts in for the first time, it, something wasn't right. It just didn't feel right. I don't know if you've ever had that, where you've gone in and got a prescription and walked out, and then three days, four days later, it's still not right. You're still not adjusting properly. You just can't see appropriately, and after, after receiving it, it's just off. And when we receive prescription glasses, and when we have these corrective lenses, um, they're only helpful if they're correct. They're only helpful if they actually work. And if not, our ability to see is limited. And in the same way, if we are not viewing life through Jesus' finished work on the cross, if we're not viewing that properly, instead of thinking it through our, like that it's got to be our own goodness or our own religious activity, We will lack the ability to see God's moments in front of us just like the disciples and the religious leaders. I don't know if you follow history all that much, but the Wright brothers is something I studied a lot in school. I wanted to be a fighter pilot for the Canadian Air Force, and and I was all into flight. And the two brothers, the Wright brothers, um, successfully got their flying machine off the ground uh, at one point uh, in about 1903 in December. And they got it about 150 feet off the ground, which was a big deal. No one's ever done that before, and so it was pretty huge. So the, the uh, thrilled over this, this big accomplishment, this, this event, this historic event, they sent a telegraph, to uh, like a message to their sister saying, uh, we've actually flown, you know, 100, sorry, it was 120 feet, and we'll be home for Christmas. They sent that to the sister. So, so the sister ran to the local newspaper, went to the editor, and showed them this printed telegraph and said, and said uh, th- this is a message for my brothers. And so he read it and said, oh, that's great. They're going to be home for Christmas. Missed it. Missed this massive thing. That's a, totally missed the big news. For the first time in history, man had accomplished flight. And he missed it. Oh, good. The boys will be home. Will we miss Jesus because we're missing the details? Because we didn't see who he was. Because we weren't paying attention. Because we were so focused on self. Have you ever been texting on your phone and walked into something? You don't don't have to confess to me. I'm not a priest. I've seen it. I've seen people... Doing this, boom, right into a wall. It's funny. And I'm not concerned about their well-being. It's hilarious, and I'm laughing because it serves you right. (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) But it happens a lot, more than you think. And we laugh at that because we go, well, you know, That's texting. People are just, you know, they're distracted. But how many times have you missed something, either texting 
or maybe you were watching television, or you were surfing the internet, and somebody says something big, and you miss it, and you miss it. We're all, we've all been there. Technology's great, and I love technology, but, but uh, it, it can distract us from real life. It can distract us from real life. And in our fast-paced world where we want things now and everything's happening, it's easy to trade the important for the momentary. It's easy to trade the important for what I'm focused on right now. It's because we just sometimes turn our brains off or we get into the habit. And I really believe that Jesus wants to enter our lives and transform the very way we view life. Are we missing the God moments, the family moments, other moments because we're not paying attention, because we're focused on other things? And I can't blame the religious leaders and the disciples for missing this because maybe I would have too. We would have probably too missed it. I know nowadays if somebody walked in here and said, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm Jesus, I'm back. Your response would not be that great. There'd have to be some proof. We'd not sure what to do. It'd be panic. Religious leaders might be jostling for position because this stranger came in. So, how can we apply this? How can we apply this? Well, it's very simple, actually. Um, we need to spend less time on social media, but on media in general. Turn off the news. There's a nonsense on there. It's crazy right now. And again, I, I don't mean don't listen to the news, but there's just lots going on. Maybe don't make it a priority in your life. Maybe we spend more time praying. Maybe we spend more time reading our Bible, talking to our children, our friends about God, um, Participating in a disciple-based small group or community. Being involved. Asking the tough questions about what we believe and how we believe it and why we believe it. I'd like to ask you today to assess whether you've traded righteousness for self-righteousness. Ask yourself that today. Have you, have you traded wanting to know more about God for wanting to feed your ego more and yourself more? Are we trading the opportunity to be more Christ-like, to be more self-focused? Are you missing Jesus, like the religious leaders, because you're too concerned with where your seat may be at the church, the color of the sanctuary carpet? By the way, I hate it too. It needs to be replaced. It was lovely when it came in, but it's time. The color of the sanctuary walls. Well done. They were much needed painted back in the time. I need another coat. Or are you so concerned about politics that you miss everything? And you know what? Our relationship with Jesus is more important than any of that. Are you missing Jesus like the religious leaders? Over the past two years... We have had so many political things blend incestuously into our church, into the church, and it has no place. Politics have no place here. 
Yes, and I've talked about it before, your values will decide who you vote for. They will, and that's okay. But they don't change your position in Jesus. None of that does. No politics. Liberal, conservative, NDP of all people. You can be a Christian and follow the NDP. I know. Shocking. To Gen Xers, it blows your mind. To anyone older, it blows your mind. But yes, someone who's an NDPer can be a Christian. And if you think you're a Republican, you better have an American passport because we don't have that here. We don't have it here. But your values may fit better with certain politics. But that doesn't change our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are all under his rule. He's what matters. The other things don't. So what does your relationship with Jesus look like? Is it in name only? Is it associated with a political party? Because I'm telling you right now, that is a thing. Where if you're a true Christian, you follow this party or that party. Is it attached to that? It shouldn't be. Jesus modeled what it was like to be a follower of him. To be a follower of God. So this week, I would like you, as we walk through the Holy Week, towards the cross and the resurrection, I challenge you to reflect on your relationship or your belief in Jesus or your journey wherever you're at in your walk and journey to find Jesus. Don't focus on what others are saying and don't focus on what others are doing. Focus on what Scripture says Speak of Jesus and walk through what he did for you and me to the cross and to the resurrection. And I'd like to encourage you, if you don't know where to begin this morning, go on to the website. Put in where it says newsletter, your email, and subscribe to our church's email. And every day this week, you will receive an email of a scripture that will walk you towards cross and the resurrection and you can read it and then you can study it and reflect on what Christ has done for you and for me don't get caught up in the secondary matters don't get caught up in personal preferences don't get caught up in religious this is how I was brought up so this is how it has to be make sure you understand why and put these religious things in the right place and I'm here to tell you today that God is going to speak to you when you seek him, when you look to his word. He will speak to you. That is a guarantee, and I promise he will. You might not like it. It might not be what you wanted to hear, but he will speak to you. If we believe God is as powerful and as amazing as he is, and he took something from 500 B.C. and made it happen in Jesus' time, if we believe he's that powerful, if we believe all the miracles that Jesus did, then guess what? He can speak to you if you ask him. But be ready to listen to what he has to say to you. That's the key, being ready to listen. We all know how Jonah, who didn't listen to what God said, how that turned out for him until he finally decided, maybe I should listen. Let's think about what we're doing. Let's focus on him. Don't run from God. Run to him. 
he will speak. He will speak. That's a promise. This week, I challenge you, walk through towards the Holy Week, towards his death and resurrection, because this is, the, this is it. You know what? We could have had a miracle birth, and that would be amazing in and of itself. But Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise and defeat death. That would be it. Be just another holy man who had something cool to say. And that's it. But he did. And so we have to recognize that. How, where, and how are you in your walk and recognizing him, throwing aside all these other issues, focusing on him? Because I'll tell you right now, there are Christians in the Ukraine, which I hope you pray for every day, that are suffering because of war. They're suffering. There's other countries where they're suffering. You know, we look at scripture all the time, and every time we read a story about somebody amazing, we always put ourselves in that person's shoes, don't we? We always look at the hero. Who doesn't want to be a hero in their own life? So we always attach ourselves to the hero. Or the person that is being focused on, the main character. We want to be the main character that God's speaking to and doing cool things and stuff is happening. But what about... The everyday person that was in Old Testament wars, that woke up that morning, kissed their family goodbye, and then didn't come back because they were fighting for Israel. We don't put ourselves in those shoes, do we? That's not fun. That's not enjoyable. We want to be the hero. Let's start looking at Scripture and focusing on just what Jesus wants. He's the hero. He's the one. How do we serve him? How do we make other people learn about him as we continue to walk our own journey and they walk theirs? Well, the only way to do it is to be in the word and understand it. The only way to do it is to be communicating with him on a regular basis. So if you haven't been, today's your lucky day. Let's do it. This week, the perfect time to walk towards Easter. I want to challenge you. Think about it this week. And if you haven't been getting those emails, log on, get in there, and put your email in, and I'll make sure you have that every morning. You'll get it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone here and those online watching. And I just pray that as we move towards this holy week, that we will reflect on everything you've done for us, everything that you continue to do for us. Help us to focus on what you want, forgetting about all the noise, all the distractions around us, but focus on you and let us not miss those moments, those moments where God is doing something amazing because we're distracted by other things. Let us be ready to serve you in every situation we're in, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week, and we're going to see you here next Sunday. Be safe out there.